Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 353 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeBoe, and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Switch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadeboe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio, where you will also find proof to the fact that I am a liar. I am a big, fat liar. Not on purpose, but... (laughs) The last episode I did here, which was at the end of September, was one of these fear-less episodes, of which this will be number three. So I guess we can consider this a series now. I offered a discount code for the audio journey that I created for you all called Shadow Love. I offered $10 off when you put this passcode in at checkout, I love my life. And I said I was taking it down after two weeks. But I heard from so many of you who took advantage of that discount code that you were loving it. A lot of you wrote to me after just hearing a couple of the tracks because it's delivered uh, over the course of several days. And you're like, oh my gosh, I love this so much, Joe. It's helping me already. And I was like, yay. It, It revived my enthusiasm for that. And because October really for us witchy people is all about the shadow, I'm like, I'm just gonna leave it up because people don't always listen to these episodes in a timely fashion. So that discount code is still there. There's a link here. And and I decided to do the same thing, but an even bigger discount for the winter transition module of the Psycho Spiritual Wheel of the Year because there is shadow work all over that thing too. The Crafty Witch Project in that module is a really cool art project, really, for transforming your shadow, like with your hands and your eyes in an artistic way, so I was like, I'm just going to use that same code, I love my life, and give 20 bucks off that too for people that just want to go crazy with the shadow work. So happy October. Uh, I love the shadow love audio journey, even though it's very personal, it's very casual, it's very much like the podcast. I, I don't know why, I just have a special place in my heart for that, I think because of the feedback. It's one of those things that I put out into the world, and I was like, did I share too much about my own journey? I don't know, I don't know, but I have found that when I do that, I get the biggest response from people, because I think we're all human, and it's a relief when you realize the person who is you know, writing this thing or teaching this thing or creating this audio journey is human too. We're all in this together. So again, thank you so much for those nice emails. It really got a rise out of me. (laughs) It made me, it made me feel purposeful and like I'm being useful, which I want to be here today. And I have a secret for you. This is the third time I'm recording this podcast. I recorded it on Monday to post on Tuesday, and I was like, I don't like it. I have to do it again. Then I recorded it on Tuesday to post on Tuesday, and I was like, I still don't like it. 
I just, I'm not saying everything I want to say and I want to be useful. I want this to be helpful to people. So here I am on Wednesday recording the dang thing again, (laughs) which I don't normally do, but I've really been focused on upping my game this year. If you're following me on Patreon, you know the trying. There has been a lot of trying on Patreon. I've been doing scripted podcasts. I've been doing more formal structures for a new podcast I started on Patreon called The Witchy Writer's Journey. And I've just been putting the effort out because I just want to step up the quality. But before I get into today's show, which is another episode of Fear Less and ties in with this idea of shadow work, I have to do something silly, but I think life-changing. If you are not a vegan, this is going to change your life. If you have a Costco where you live and you're not a vegan, okay? And really, plug yours if you are a vegan because it involves chicken. There is a brand I love and have been buying for years, maybe because of Costco, I feel like I find this brand at Costco every now and then, but I typically buy it now at Whole Foods and Sprouts, and I can't pronounce it correctly, but I'll try. It's called Maya Kamal, K-A-I-M-A-L, and I know them as the Curry Company, the awesome, fabulous, never bought anything from them that I didn't love Curry Company. I buy these curry simmer sauces. A lot of their products are vegan, but they're always marked vegan, gluten-free, and that's why I like to buy them in addition to the fact that they make the most yummy stuff. Like I can just buy a pile of random vegetables and dump one of these simmer sauces on them and it makes me look like I'm a really good chef. Uh, but in Costco, I don't know how they do the how they do things at Costco if it's regional, so don't go getting mad at me if you go trying to find this thing that I'm about to recommend to you and you can't find it. But but on on the off chance that you can find it and it changes your life, I have to mention it to you. In the that middle section at the back, if all Costco's are laid out similarly, where they keep like the cheese and the hummus and prepackaged foods, there is a little green and orange cardboard sleeve around two vats of soup. And it says in big white letters, coconut chicken soup. Don't let the coconut throw you because it does not taste anything like coconut. I think they put coconut in the title because it's a cream-based soup. It's very creamy and they use coconut milk. It tastes like, oh, the flavors like chicken noodle soup um, or cream of chicken soup. Do you guys remember cream, cream of chicken soup, Campbell's cream of chicken soup. Oh my God, I loved that when I was a kid, (laughs) which is why maybe I'm losing my mind over this stuff, but I am losing my mind over this stuff. All you have to do is heat it up and put it in your face. And I am ready to give up my entire business and all my relationships to just sit around eating soup for the rest of my life, because I think this is the best stuff ever. (laughs) It's so good. It has these big old chunks of potatoes in it. And I'm going to throw this across the room so I don't keep harping on soup. But I had to say that to you. I have no affiliation with that company whatsoever. It has nothing to do with today's topic. But there you have it. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. So let's get back to talking about what I want to talk about today, which is fearing less 
And in that last episode that I posted at the end of September, I mentioned the word process, that I that I had gotten kind of hung up on the word process. So I wanted to explore that in this episode. And then it also kind of bugged me. I guess I'm going through a a perfectionist phase here with the podcast. I I don't feel like I'm being super picky or maybe perfectionist isn't even the right word because that's not a word I'm fond of. I don't think it's a healthy word. Uh, but, you know, here I am recording this three times. But I'm just, I'm looking to improve the podcast here and take it to the next level and be super valuable. And something bugged me on that last episode. I I wrote this piece to read to you, this little short story about this queen who lives high up in the highest tower of her castle in an environment that she can completely control herself. And The kingdom or queendom, if you will, down below all around the castle has completely fallen to pot because she has neglected it. And so when she goes down the couple times when she feels lonely being up in her tower, because it's a very lonely thing to self-isolate like that in an environment that you can control, when she goes down, there is literal shit in the streets, like sewage flowing in the streets that like messes up the pristine hem of her gown and the villagers all hate her and throw rotten apples at her when she steps out of her beautiful carriage. And so she scurries back up to the tower. What I failed to do (laughs) was actually talk about I didn't really give it an ending. How does... So what? She just lives forever up in the tower? The tower, by the way, was a metaphor for living up in your mind. I was a person who lived up in my mind, as many, many, many of us do, many of us who have experienced any kind of physical trauma, uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse, a, a shock to our systems. A lot of us escape up into our heads. If we have... Any kind of r- uh, repeated abuse when we're children, like we find safety up in our imaginations, up in our minds. I think people that are drawn to magic are often like this because it's very much about using your imagination and your mind to create the world of your dreams. And what that can do is the reason I told that story is because. In my personal experience, this is what happened to me, and it's what I see happening to people that come to me for coaching calls, for example, because like attracts like. What happens is it creates neglect. And and this too happens to people that are addicts, people who create, you know, addictions to escape the harsh realities of life. They escape in whatever their addiction is. There's a lot of addiction going on right now to the internet. The internet is designed to be addicting. And it's almost shameful to not be on the internet. It's funny how people react when you like take an internet break or if you're not using social media, like people try to like shame you back onto it. <laughs> Where have you been? What's wrong with you? I don't know. I'm just living my life offline. You can actually do that. I don't know if you knew that, but you can. <laughs> so we have like this prevalence now of addiction to our screens and I that concerns me a little bit because of relationships and hearing from so many of you that you have social phobias and problems connecting with people. I don't know 
I, I feel like the internet can create a, a surrogate situation where you can create surrogate relationships and feelings of connection, but then still have a hard time walking into a party of strangers or even a party of people that you know or going out in public and interacting with in an environment you can't control. And so I thought it was important to talk about that because I like to I like to use my own life as an example. So going back to this idea of escaping into your mind or up into the tower where you can control everything, when you finally work on healing that and and you finally realize that that's what you have done and you kind of have that come to Jesus moment where you're like, oh, I've been neglecting everything. And you try to come down out of the tower because you're lonely. And you know something's wrong. You know you're addicted. You know whatever is happening that is not serving you. You know it's time to, to turn a corner. It's not just as simple as coming down from your shiny tower and everybody's like, yay, they're applauding you. They're so happy to see you. <laughs> it's like how I described. No, there is shit on the streets. The sewage is flowing and, and people either don't know you or acknowledge you at all, at all or they have grudges and they're angry at you. And so you have to process that's, this is how it comes back to word process. You have to find a way to process all that shit. I hope the word shit doesn't upset you because I'm going to say it a lot. <laughs> the sewage that has accumulated because you didn't have systems in place for processing that. Life comes at you every single day. Speaking of the internet, we are constantly bombarded with ads and social media feeds and requests for our time. And you have to be able to process that, to keep moving forward. You have to process it, process it, process it, move forward, move forward, for move forward. A jillion things happen in our life that we have to stay in the flow and stay in the process of life or we start, we kind of create these dams and stuff starts accumulating. So just for a healthy everyday individual, a healthy system, you're processing stuff all day long just to stay in motion. When you add to the fact that maybe you're a person who has two decades of accumulated shit that is built up from neglect... That can be overwhelming because not only do you have to step into that flow and start processing the ordinary flow of life, but you have to find a way to process all that accumulated stuff from all those years of neglect. It makes me think of the 12-step program um, of somebody who's trying to get sober and how one of the steps is to apologize to people who you've hurt or been neglectful, let's say, in your life. <clears throat> people who you love, but who aren't feeling the love from you because you're not showing up for them. You haven't been showing up for them for years and they're angry about it or they've written you off, like making amends is a part of the process, right? And so I guess that would be the angry villagers throwing apples at your head. <laughs> you have to build trust with people again and that's a process. Then you have to figure out like how to process all the sewage in the street uh, taking it out of metaphors, because I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, <laughs> throwing another metaphor in and, and start being confusing, is I'm sure you've heard me talk about, if you've been listening for a while, my decluttering journey. This is something that st that really shocks and surprises like family and friends when I'll say like, yeah, I've been decluttering a lot this week. And the answer is always, you have still? How do you have stuff to declutter? 
And it's like, well, <laughs> because I accumulated, for me, I accumulated not just padding. Like a lot of my clutter was about keeping other people out and staying safe in my castle. And I thought it looked very like artsy and bohemian and cool. I had, you know, all of this uh, like magazine tears and collages all over the place and clutter everywhere and crystals and collections of knickknacks and stuff everywhere that I, it was like a really groovy looking wall to where I didn't want to pe people to come in because I felt overexposed in a weird way. Like they would walk into all my stuff and, and see me in a way I didn't want to be seen. If there's a lot of clutter, it's confusing. Like, where do they focus their eyes, right? It was like a way of like keeping people out and keeping them from knowing me. And then a, a huge component of it was sadness and things that I hadn't processed in my life that made me sad, that were very painful, that I just put in boxes to deal with another time, but another time never came. And so that stuff just accumulated. I had a lot of fear around money because I was completely uneducated about money and terrified of it, always afraid, always afraid, always afraid of money. And so there were like boxes of like unopened mail all the way back to like the 90s, you know. <laughs> so I had all this stuff in my house. And because I'm a new agey person, because I'm in personal development, over the years, I would read a book on decluttering or space clearing, or I would see a video and get all inspired and gung-ho, and I would do a little bit of it, and woo, and it would last, and it would kind of burn out as another phase. But in the summer of 2015, I just... I don't know. I, I just something switched in me and I just began the decluttering journey in earnest. And I made some amazing headway that summer. Uh, I did a challenge with Kick-Ass Switch for you all to join me. I think it was called the 100 Things Challenge. It was awesome to do that with a group of people. And then a few months later, someone who shall remain nameless, but I have to say it like that because I still think it's a dick move. Someone who shall remain nameless brought bed bugs into my home and then kind of tried to hide it until it, you couldn't deny it anymore. And so because my house is over 100 years old and there's tons of weird little nooks and crannies for these tiny bugs to hide, it went on for over a year of trying to get rid of them. I would think I had gotten rid of all of them and then like three months would, would go by. I'd be sitting and reading a book and I would see something move out of the corner of my eye and it would be a bed bug and I would lose it. Like, <laughs> it, it's still just remembering. It just makes me just like, ah, I want to shake this person because it was interesting. This person who shall remain nameless gave me the gift of bed bugs, but did not bother helping me clean up the mess, which again took over a year. And I lost a lot of things that I loved because you really just need to throw everything away <laughs> when you get bed bugs. You got to burn it. And then things that you really can't bear to part with, you have to heat treat them. Or that's that's what we were taught to do. What, what we, what I did, put all my possessions that I couldn't bear to throw away in black plastic trash bags and plastic tubs, drug out into the heat. Thank God I live in Southern California where it's very sunny because if you can trap them in like a black plastic trash bag, they It'll heat up and kill them. I think it has to heat up to like 120 degrees. But then interestingly, because processing 
was not my strong suit. That's what got me into the cluttery mess to begin with. I was too afraid to open the bags because, like, what if a bed bug escaped? So for a long time, if you came to visit me, there would be a giant... I had two giant piles, three, that I narrowed down to two and then one slowly, slowly over time of, like, plastic tubs and trash bags. And I basically just lived out of what would what would equate, like, a couple of suitcases for a long time. And I could just... Because I'm a I'm a person. Speaking of living up in the tower, I'm one of my main coping mechanisms is avoidant behavior. Like I was just blind to the mountain of plastic boxes and trash bags because I didn't want to see it. I didn't see it until like somebody would come over and I'd be like, "That's really weird, huh?" <laughs> Whoops. So I I believe there's a point to saying this. I believe that that was just a really freaky fucked up gift from the universe that forced me to stay on this decluttering journey and move through that process to process all those weird old memories. I had a big moment uh, this summer where I finally decluttered this hallway in my foyer that contained a lot of boxes around like the time my son was diagnosed with autism and I found that too painful to deal with. So there was unopened mail, there was like stacks of just stuff having to do with autism, but also like like bills from an apartment I haven't lived in in 15 years and just crazy weird locked away stuff. And going through all of that was a process and it was a strange shadow worky process. I really think decluttering and shadow work go hand in hand for some of us, not for everybody, but for a person like myself who is avoidant who uses avoiding as a coping mechanism, who escapes into your head to, and then ends up neglecting the 3D reality down below. Decluttering can be an amazing way to process old memories, to process old pain, to process old feelings. Massage can do that for people. Like our bodies actually store trauma. There's a really popular book that um, I have on audiobook right now that I, I need to take a listen to. It's called... The Body Keeps the Score. It's a really, really popular book, especially with people that have post-traumatic stress disorder or uh, people that are really into shadow work. And so if you're a person that holds a lot of pain in your body and you've had a traumatic past, it can be similar to where when you finally, let's say, go get a deep tissue massage, you start bawling like on the massage table, like you start crying when they push on certain muscles because it's releasing, it's processing finally, right? And decluttering can be like that too. So I guess that's why the word process was in my head so firmly around talking about coming down out of the tower into the kingdom down below, which I saw as the material 3D reality. For me, it was all the material things. It was money. It was my body. It was my home. It was the lack of meaningful friendships in my life. Like I would care about people, but they wouldn't even realize it, that I thought we had a connection because I wasn't showing up for them, for example, stuff like that. And that those processes take time 
to the friends and family who are like, still, you're still decluttering? Yes. (laughs) Yes, because I'm living my life. I'm building my life. I'm processing the daily stuff that comes at us all. And then when I can handle it, I go through and I process this old stuff too. And I think one of the ways... I mean, shadow work is a process. Shadow work is about processing old emotions. It's about processing fearful beliefs, shadow beliefs as they come up. If you can have really powerful processes and rituals that you do when you notice a shadow is being triggered, you will stay in the flow of life. And one of the ways that I think you can tell if you're actually processing this stuff and if it's working, is if you feel a lightness of being, if you feel yourself lightening up, if you feel a sense of liberation and freedom. And that, for me, is what keeps me on the journey because just taking it down to something real simple like decluttering my home, every time I throw away a bunch of boxes and bags of stuff, I feel free. I feel lighter you go to get a massage and you're bawling your head off, it might be a little bit embarrassing if you don't know the masseuse or something, but you feel free when you're driving home because you just released something, was able finally to process. And, you know, signs that you have not processed the past, for example, something traumatic maybe that happened to you in your past would be things like recurrent dreams or intrusive thoughts that... They replay the unprocessed event on a loop, not because your subconscious is trying to torture you to death, trying to torture you into insanity or keep you locked in the pain, but because it's trying to help you process the event so that you can move on. I believe this is why the shadow is such an important component to healing and to the law of attraction. I guess I'll tie it into that. Um, but it's this is doing shadow work is how we free ourselves. And I believe that these triggering incidences are invitations that are opportunities to heal so that you can move on. I'm a big word nerd. When a word grabs me like the word process did, you can guarantee I'll be on Google in no time, like looking up the etymology and the definition of the word and it's always revealing, but with the word process, what came up again and again and again in the definition and all the different meanings in the definition, and then in the etymology going all the way back to the 13th century is progress. It was about proceeding forward. And I thought, oh, well, that's such an easy thing to remember. Process is progress. We process so we can proceed forward, so we can stay in motion. And when you think of the wheel of the year and you think of like Samhain, for example, and Halloween, the module that I offer for that is the, the winter transition module where we transition from autumn into winter. That is a time when a lot of us are really into shadow work. On the wheel of the year that I created personally for myself and and put into this program, I also revisit that in Immel because Immel happens around the time of Groundhog Day. And, you know, the groundhog comes out and he either sees his shadow or he doesn't and it predicts how long winter is going to last. And I'm like, oh, that's a perfect opportunity. (laughs) It's a perfect metaphor for doing some shadow work. So we have these processes. We have these little turns of the wheel 
that are awesome invitations to revisit some of our junk and to process some of our junk so that we can proceed forward. But the wheel keeps turning. And I notice sometimes this happens a lot with really young people is we identify overly with the shadow. I saw something recently about somebody saying that like in a group of people that are only focused on goodness and positivity and happiness, there's always got to be one person who carries the shadow. And I vehemently disagree with that. It's just my opinion. Uh, You don't have to share it. Again, it's just my opinion. But I don't think that's true. And I don't like that message because there isn't someone who has to carry the shadow. We all carry our own individual shadows. And it's true that there are cultural shadows. It's true that there are family shadows. It's true that there are organizational shadows. And sometimes those organizations will scapegoat one person and like put that on them. But if you're that person, you don't have to accept that. You don't have to take that on as your role. You don't have to carry that weight as your burden. And I think sometimes there's a strange reverse snobbism that goes into looking at the shiny, happy people as the assholes of the world. Like they're not as deep and serious and heavy and dark and sexy and cool and shadowy as me. I am the dark witch. They don't even know. They don't even know the pain of this world because they refuse to see it. And it's like, you don't know that. That's that's quite presumptuous to make that judgment on the shiny, happy people. And FYI, I was one of those people. (laughs) I wrote tons of poetry in my 20s, songs in my 30s. Here's what I'll do. I will play... I will go find a couple of Obedient Waves song, my band, and tack them on to the end of this episode so you can hear me doing this. Proof that I was one of those people. <laughs> I'm so dark and cool, and look at those stupid assholes pretending like everything's not falling to shit. They, you know, like, we sometimes have this reverse snobbism happens in the witchy world where we, we judge people that are all love and light. And I think it's important to notice that some of those people got that way because they did their shadow work, because they are processors, because they were able to process their junk. They they can quickly process what life comes at them. They feel their feelings. They acknowledge their feelings instead of shoving them down into the shadows. Um, The person that introduced me to shadow work was Debbie Ford. It wasn't a witch. (laughs) It was a Hay House author. (laughs) So I, I do think there are people that get very superstitious about the law of attraction, for example, and they think it's about putting on the shiny, happy face and they put it on as a facade. It doesn't represent the truth of who they are, but you can't fool the universe. You can't trick the universe into giving you the love of your life or a big fat pile of money by pretending you're happy and saying a bunch of affirmations. And I think that's what people are doing, seeing when they're judging the shiny, happy folk. (laughs) They think they're putting on an act. But I'm here to tell you, as someone who has increasingly over the years become one of those shiny, happy folk, it's just not true. Some of us become increasingly shiny and happy because we've done the work, we've released the past, and we've learned how to process life as it comes to us. So yes, our feelings get hurt. Yes, other people let us down. Yes, shit happens 
but we move through it at a faster rate because we're committed to doing it. And that's why to me, like shadow work and the law of attraction go hand in hand. And maybe uh, right now on Patreon, I'm actually uh, <laughs> talking about the book, Ask and It Is Given, it, which is an Abraham Hicks book. That's about as law of attraction-y as you can get. And I was reading from a chapter in that book on Patreon, and I had forgotten that the whole back section of that book is, is processes, like process number one, process number two. It's all these processes for getting into alignment. But something that Abraham Hicks does not talk about is the shadow. And for me, I just want to like add the shadow chapter to ask and it is given (laughs) because that's a process too. And it's important to be able to process that stuff so that we can proceed in our life. And I don't think, you know, the wheel of the year keeps on turning Nature is in process. You can look at nature and see things are moving forward. We don't stay in winter forever. So it doesn't make sense to overly identify with the darkness and the shadows and to create an identity on that just as much as it doesn't make sense to identify only with the light. We are both. We are the light and we are the dark. Uh, Another cool witchy thing that comes up around the word process is it's processing in by some definition is to change form from one to another. And I was like, oh, that's so witchy, because to me, being a witch is about change. We are agents of change. I always go back to that old definition. Magic is creating change in conformity with your will. And so, you know, like we eat processed food, for example, (laughs) to process, we also process like the old scraps of food in our kitchen and waste into fertilizer that we can use to grow new life, or we process this raw data into useful information, um, or these old pent up hurts into an empowering revelation. Like, I like that definition as well. So I love to think like process is about progress, and it's also about this transformation, processing something from one form, this thick, shadowy, heavy form, into something lighter. And again, let that lightness of being be your guide. If you feel yourself lightening up, you know it's working. If you feel like you're setting yourself free, it's working, and that's the point. Uh, shadow work is not meant to be 24-7, an ongoing place that you dwell. You don't dwell in the shadow. <laughs> it bubbles up to the surface of its own accord. That's what it does. It bobs up to the surface to get your attention. You process it. You notice it. And then the point is to get back into the process of life. The point is to get moving again. It's, I think it's interesting too, to think about like maybe a, a racetrack. I don't know why I'm saying a racetrack, but I'm thinking of like cars and you're going around the track of life and you're going around the track of life. If you don't take care of your car, if you're neglectful of it, like a clog might come up, right? And you might end up 
stopping <laughs> because you can't go any further. So you pull off into the, like the pit stop and the mechanic comes, finds the clog, releases the clog, refuels, does whatever it needs to do, changes the tires and you get back on the road. That, you know, shadow work is like the pit stop so that you can get back into motion and get back on the road. Some of us progress through life faster. Some of us progress through life slower and it's all good. As long as you feel that freedom and that lightness of being and you're moving and you're living your life, awesome. If you get to where you're feeling trapped or stuck, that's an opportunity for a pit stop, right? But you don't hang out there. You don't live there. You get back on the track and you start living your life. So if this sounds interesting to you, like something you want to explore and you haven't yet taken advantage of that discount code, it's so easy to use. There's a link around here. You just put, I love my life, all lowercase, no spaces in at checkout, and it will roll 10 bucks off the price. If you want, if you want to go big and you want to get the uh, winter transition module, you get 20 bucks off with the same code. I'm just trying to trick you into writing, I love my life, because that's the whole point. That's why I called it shadow love. It's a self-loving thing to do. And I don't want there to be this separation in our community between the shadow people and the love and light people. It's, it's about, it's about self-love. It's about loving to learn, learn, loving to learn, <laughs> learning to love yourself more so you can love your life more and love other people and love your job and love this planet and love the limited time you have. Enjoy it. Live it. When you find yourself not able to do that, you dip back into the shadow. You have yourself a pit stop and you get back into the flow of life. I hope this was helpful for you. Until we meet again, happy October. There's an amazing, by the way, interview coming up next Tuesday. I know it's amazing because I already recorded it. For those of you who love witchy people, you're going to love this. And if you love like to hear about someone's successful manifestation journey, you're going to especially love it. So tune in next Tuesday for that because it's awesome. And again, until we meet again, much love to you. Peace. Ah, and I just remembered I told you I would post some songs at the end of this episode. Episode and I just found a couple that crack me up. I actually, I love our songs. Obedient Waves was the name of my band and I wrote the songs. So maybe that's why I like them. But our recordings were not the best. They're, they're a little harsh. But to demonstrate the point, here are some songs expressing my anger and my poor meanness. And fuck all y'all. It's kind of the spirit of Obedient Waves. If you don't like a lot of yelling and screaming, please stop this episode right here. <laughs> if you want to hear the yelling and, yelling and screaming, proceed. This first song is called Ain't Got No. Ain't Got No. Enjoy. No, 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 no,
bitch, you're a superstar. You ain't got no obstacles, ain't got no throne, no doubt, no walls. Everyone's a winner, everyone but me. Honey, just a dinner, honey, and my tea. Cause I ain't got no, 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 no. What the fuck? With me, stick mine, just my luck. I ain't got no place to be. Ain't got no them, no us, no we. Living on a suitcase, eating once a week. Living in a bottle, pissing up a creek. No, 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 no. I don't care. Break me, take mine, cut my hair. I ain't got nowhere to go. Ain't got no friends, no car, no dough. Living Beat from me, a suitcase, eating with a week. Breathing in a bottle, pissing up a creek. I ain't got no friends, no car, no dough. No, 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 no. Screw you, who you think you are? Bet you get your superstar. You ain't got no obstacles. Ain't got no soul, no doubt, no walls. Everyone's a winner, everyone but me. Hungry for some dinner, honey in my tea. No, 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 no. you anyway times like those don't last forever that's just how it goes whatever who cares we never liked you anyway just because we have a past doesn't mean it has to last oh well Never liked you anyway. Don't pull that one foot out the door and one foot in bullshit no more. Get out. We never liked you anyway. Can't be mad when you're so wrong. Anyway, please don't make us roll our 